1 Corinthians chapter 15, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 35 through 50. I'm going to kind of do a study on this and come with some clues. I'm going to talk to you about God's order, God's order of things. God has an order in what he does. The Bible says in a few places, does not nature itself teach you? Does not nature itself teach you? I think it says in Proverbs, and it says to observe four different things, one of them being the ant. Uh, you're supposed to observe the ant. You want to learn how to work. You want to learn how to obey orders. You want to learn how to be a team player. You want to, you want to learn how to be indomitable. Man, I can't believe I said that, indomitable. I said it twice. Uh, you got to look at the ant. Look at the ant. How many times I have spent thousands of dollars trying to kill the fire ant on my five acres. And I can tell you one thing, they're indomitable. I have put gasoline on them, diesel fuel on them, pesticides on them. I've baited them. I have, uh, I have uh, tried every method available to mankind at this moment um, uh, to try to get rid of those fire ants. But I can guarantee you uh, today, I believe I have more fire ants than when I first moved on that five acres. I don't know how that can be possible. I think Andro is like uh, a hot fudge Sunday to them. I, I somehow don't think it bothers them. I just think it encourages them to grow. I, I don't know. But I have tried every kind of poison. I've gone with uh, Truly Nolan. Uh, I'm not sure he's true about it, but it went to Nolan and got help. But uh, I can tell you we're supposed to observe nature. And uh, I, I want to talk to you about God's order of things that I noticed in, the, in chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians, which is a resurrection chapter. It's the best place in all of the New Testament if you want to know about the resurrection. Uh, I'm looking forward to the resurrection. How about you? Amen. I'm looking forward to the upper taker, not the undertaker. But if I die before the rapture, then I'm looking for the resurrection. And by the way, I'm not going to see death. Jesus said if you believe in him, trust him, you're not going to see death. I'm going to pass out of this body, and I'm going to go to another place. I think... Uh, I personally believe here's the way death is. I think a young man, at least he looks like a young man in a white outfit, a little whiter than you're used to seeing, is going to walk up to me and say, come with me. He's going to call me by name and come with me. I'm going to come with him. I have been at the bedside of a few folks. When they died, they saw something I did not see. And they reached their hand out to grab somebody's hand that wasn't there that I couldn't see, and then their hand went limp and they died. I have felt at some of these occasions, a presence come into the room. That's all I can tell you. And I'm not kind of getting, you know, on you, Twilight Zone, but I, I felt something come in the room. And they lifted up out of a coma, lifted up, opened their eyes, looked as if they were looking at somebody, and dropped back to the bed, and the presence was gone. They were gone. And I said, I don't think we're going to see death. Not like the unsaved people are going to see death. Oh, my, my heart goes out for folks who have to experience death and will have no hope. Let's take your Bibles. Let's read a few verses, uh, not just in 35. But I'm going to start up in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 12. 
as I go down through this chapter a little bit, uh, emphasizing verses 35 through 50 at the end of it. The importance of the resurrection starts in verse 12 here. Now, if Christ be preached that he rose uh, from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. There's some logic going on here. And if Christ be not risen, then our preaching is vain, and your faith also vain. Uh, yea, and we are found false witnesses of God, because you have testified of God that he raised, raised up Christ, whom he raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain, and you are yet in your sins. Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ with no resurrection, we are of all men most miserable. He starts out by saying, if you all, there were some evidently people in the Corinthian church that were going around saying there's really going to be no resurrection. They didn't believe in it. And so he's correcting that. And in correcting that, he's helping us under inspiration of the Holy Spirit. The consequence is basically what he's saying, okay, you say there's no resurrection. Well, if there's no resurrection, Paul lists, and I'm going to quickly list for you the things that are uh, consequences to that. Firstly, if Christ is not risen, our preaching is vain, empty, worthless. Our faith is vain. Worthless, empty. We are false witnesses. We're bigger than just not, not uh, having what we're saying is true, but we're actually misrepresenting the truth. We are in our sins. All those who died before us are perished, and we're of all men most miserable. So let me ask you a question. you believe in the resurrection? Because without the resurrection, what, are, what do we got? Nothing. We're all these things. These are all negative, horribly negative. So, brother... I hope, and, and I, you know, through the years I've assumed that because people attended an independent fundamental Bible-believing church, and because they said they believe, they believe the Bible, they said, and yet when I queried them further, they were, they were dubious about whether there was going to be a resurrection or not. And I said, whoa, Nelly, uh, that don't G-haul. I mean... You, you, if you don't believe in the resurrection, that is the very core belief of Jesus Christ and the gospel is the resurrection. Why? Because of all these things. Now look at verse 20 and 23. But now is Christ risen from the dead? He basically says, look, he's risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that sleep. For since by man, that's the first Adam, came death, by man, that's the last Adam, came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. So you have a similitude, a parallelism here. But every man in his own order, Christ the firstfruits. Afterward, they that are Christ is coming. When Christ was uh, resurrected, there were people resurrected with him. It is believed that the, old, the, the, uh, the paradise side of a place called Hades, a holding place for the dead, was uh, emptied out. And they went with Christ uh, in heaven. The only thing left there now was the Hades side of it, the hell side where the rich man was looking over at uh, Lazarus. That's the only thing left. The paradise side is with, with, with Jesus Christ. Now, I don't know any more detail on that. We don't know a whole lot more detail on that. 
But I want you to notice here in verses uh, 20 through 23, there's a comparison going on uh, that started and continued all the way through verse 50. This comparison keeps going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. A good, a good learning technique. Adam equals death. The last Adam, that's Jesus Christ, equal, equals the resurrection and life. In Adam all die, in Christ all are made alive. At least two resurrections, Christ is one of course when he was resurrected, and another one at his coming. So we see the order of things in God's system in verses 35 through 44. First and foremost, noticeable truth out of this passage uh, is the order of things. Death precedes life. If you're a farmer or if you're a gardener, you take that seed which has life in it and you must put it in some sort of median. Now you can uh, don't try to hyperponic growth and all this other, but you put it in a median. It can, in Florida, what's funny is Florida. Florida soil, if you, I come from Indiana where the soil's black and rich and 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 but the truth is, farmers love this old sand down here. They love, in Florida sand grows some of the best vegetables, some of the best uh, potatoes, those little red potatoes, some of the best watermelon, seedless, that you'll ever lay your lips in. Uh, because that sand is just a median. They put the fertilizer in it, and uh, the water's there, and it's able to germinate. The seed which was uh, maybe it's a little round thing, a little speck or whatever, has to die, as it were. At least its original form and its original being has to completely change and sprout. Uh, years ago, the old uh, Colliers, how many remember the Colliers? Anybody remember the Colliers? You know, by the way, his uh, son graduated, a Collier boy graduated. That was a miracle of miracles. Let me say, if Collier boy will graduate, anybody can graduate. And he, he wouldn't mind if I said that. I mean, I said it to his face. I'll say it. He graduated. I, we drove 900 miles to get that graduation. And when I asked him to meet us, he said, I'm busy. I said, son, after driving 900 miles, you get unbusy. And you come up to, and you show up and meet with us because I'm not going to put up with you. You're busy, too busy to meet with me. After, oh, okay, I'll be there. So he drove. And, and, uh. Yeah, I mean, man, after, hey, if I come see you, brother, you show up. I don't care what you're doing. Unless Brother Horton has a meeting with you, you show up to old Billy. But uh, we had a good time with him. His mom and dad showed up. They looked just like they always do. Man, I didn't change a bit. And we had a good time. Uh, uh, why did I say that? I feel, I feel like Brother Moon right now. Remember when Brother Moon said, tried to say the book of Philippians? He said, Filipino, turn to Philippine. Turn to Philippine. Remember that? I love that part of the sermon. That was the first TIAs ever had. I said, that's what we old people get. We get a little sludging of the blood. Pretty soon we can't remember our first name, last name, where we live, hardly. I mean, thank God it don't last too long, amen. You remember, I got that little video clip, Brother Chris got, we got that little video clip, we sent it to him. He goes, uh, Philippine, well, uh, uh, he couldn't tell you what that book was. for. The, uh, he has read that book, said that book a thousand, thousand times, and he didn't have a clue, and that's where I'm at. 
Okay, we're talking about the other thing, death proceeds. So that seed goes into that median, and it grows. It dies, changes form, but grows into something absolutely different, doesn't it? Could you ever guess what a, I've been around the country recently, of course, saw a lot of corn. Now, I'm going to tell you something. When I was a kid, you wanted a corn, you wanted corn to be about eight, nine foot high. You know, eight, nine foot high. Indiana corn, eight, nine foot high. They don't want that anymore. They got this little miniature, they got this little corn now, they got it down about that high. Have you seen that, Tom? That corn is now only about that high. And the reason is, they said, all of that green plant was wasting the energy, and now they grow the plant genetically, they grow the plant only about that high, but they put more of the energy in the corn itself rather than in the plant. Does that make sense to you? It don't look as good. I don't care if it makes sense or not. And they used to plant those things about that far apart, each one about that far apart. Then they got that far apart, and then they got that far apart, then they got that far apart, and then they get... Now, I'm telling you, those corn, those corn things are about one inch, two inches apart. You can't even use a cornfield as a bathroom anymore. You can't get in it. And when you're motorcycling, you know, desperate, desperate times, desperate measures. But uh, cornfield, I mean, tell you what, I've never seen such an evolution. But they've, they've got this, but that corn's, you would never, you would never take a grain of corn and be able to guess what it was going to turn out to be. And yet some of you say, what's it going to be like in heaven? Give it up. Give it up. There's no way you and I can guess what heaven's going to be like. We can't. If I took a seed of corn, you'd never seen a corn, you'd never seen a full corn plant. And I said, start guessing what this thing's going to turn into. Now, folks, come on. You know you would never, ever, ever, ever guess what that thing was going to look like. Who would ever guess a strange plant with a tassel on the top of it? And, a, and I'm going to go five ears of corn. Five years per plant. Well, they want three years per plant minimum, but they're getting some of them five years per plant. And I mean, God, man, if you don't believe God is blessed, you just go in the breadbasket area and start driving around, and you're going to get down on the ground and say, Jesus, thank you. Thank you for America. Thank you for blessing us. Wow, man, we got so much food. I mean, we're growing food on our right hand and on our left. We got rice growing in Arkansas. Rice, of all places, Arkansas grows a ton of rice. Mississippi grows rice. I never saw the, I saw the best soybeans I ever seen. When I, you know, I was out kind of in the, in the wilderness there, and I have to stop regularly, uh, old as I am. And uh, I look at the beans and stuff. And they had beautiful beans. Man, those, those, those soybeans look good. And all, that, all those crops over there look good. And so I just said, that's what this is saying. I get, don't, as a Christian, don't start trying to say, what are we going to do? Brother, you, listen to me. It's going to be so much better, so much different, so much more. Uh, woo, ex, uh, uh, I'm trying to think of the word. Uh, supercalifragilisticexpialidocious, brother. It's going to be big. Did you know you're going to experience that? You ought to get happy at night. I mean, if you're a born-again Christian, you're going to experience what I'm talking about. What we're talking about in this passage is coming your way. You can't stop it. It's like he said if it's in the Pentateuch. If you do what I ask you to do, 
I'm going to command a blessing on you. Now, hey, I like that. I like that. I'm going to command a blessing on you, God said. God wants to bless these people. God wants to encourage these people. God wants these people to laugh and have joy of the Spirit. Uh, but you got to do it His way. He's got an order of things. He's got an order of things. Death precedes life, as well as humility precedes honor. See, a lot of times you want honor before you do the humility. You've got to pay your dues as a Christian. You got to pay your dues before you you get humility before you get honor. I was talking to Tyler going to college, the rest of you kids going to college. It's your humble time. This is your humble time. This isn't your 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 honor time. This is your humble time. You got to go to college and be humbled. And you got to work like a dog and 24/7 wear yourself down and 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 obey the work things of God and there'll be a time of honor. Don't seek it. Seek to be humble. Put your head down, do the right thing, and God will tell you when it's time. Uh, the second thing we learn there is the form of life does not resemble the form of death, as I just mentioned. The third thing is there are, as these things are so different, you cannot guess them. I like the old statement that things that are different are not the same. The seed and what comes from the seed are not possibly guessable. The Bible says the corruptible will have to put on incorruption. The dishonor will put on glory. The weakness will put on power. The natural will put on spiritual. Do you know we are in a, I mean, when you try to compare what God has for them that love him compared to what you're in now, you are in some kind of a humble state. Being in this body is a humble state. Just being in this, I'm not talking about being sick. I'm talking about being in this body and being healthy is a humbling state. Go four or five days without showering. Don't do it. But go four or five days without showering. See how it works out. Quit brushing your teeth. Every time I go in, I'm going I'm to fan a little bit here. I go into the dentist, right? You go in and get your teeth cleaned at the dentist. I go to the same dentist for 35 years. I go in and get my teeth cleaned at the dentist. And I'm going to tell you, no matter how often I get my teeth cleaned, I haven't flossed quite good enough. I haven't brushed quite good enough to suit her. I haven't, you know, I said, you know, I'm, I told my last, I've been going to the same girl for ages. I said, quit criticizing me. I told her, I said, these cheats only have to last a few more years. They don't have to be sparkly white. I don't care about sparkly white teeth. They just have to be able to chew food for, I told her, ten. give me 10 more years, maybe not even that many. And when they put something in, they say, you want a gold filling or you want, I said, I want something cheap because they don't have to last long. Amen. My dad died with gold in his mouth. I'm not sure it's there still, but I have watched death take people. I've watched it sap them of their strength, strip them of their confidence. Drain them of their force. Humble them beyond their own imaginations. I've seen their wobble in their gait. Bending of their backs. Osteoporosis and breaking of their bones. Once they were quick-witted. Once they were fast on their feet. Once they were prolific in their vocabulary. 
now they have a blank stare, a slow, slurred speech. The book of Philippians, they call Filipinos. They have disconnected thoughts. They start illustrations and figure, forget why they did it. Why are they doing that? Because they're heading to death, the corruption, the corruptible. But just like that old seed, God's going to put this old body in the ground. And it's going to be humbling. Oh, it's humbling to go to death. Boy, Doc, you've seen a lot, you old people seen a lot of people die. Man, it's humble. It's humble. My mom, a, a dignified woman, a, a clean woman, a, a well-mannered woman. You know, she always saw quick canoppering. Do you know what kind of word, how many know the word canopper? Does anybody in this room know it's a Swedish word? Quick canopering, that means chewing with your Chewing with your mouth open. She used to nail us every meal. Quit chewing with your mouth open. Thank God for the woman. Now I can eat with you without you going, oh, I don't want to see your food. You never talk when you're chewing your food. That's what basically she told us. And here I saw her get old. And I saw her chew and talk and half her food go out in her chest and slobber down her chin. Ah. You don't know how hard that was. Oh, you do know how hard some of you. To see somebody who taught you to do the thing but get old and get humble. What is that? That's God humbling you. He's bringing you. You know, it's been said that you end life about the way you started. Chris, you know how it starts. That first, I won't go into it. But Chris knows what it smells like now. He knows what it's like to have a little baby. And we go out the same way. My mom end up wearing diapers. Brother, just after that humbling, you get planted. And the resurrection's coming. Oh, oh, I want to see my mama after the resurrection. Oh, I want to see Pat after the resurrection. Oh, I want to see Jim McCollum after the resurrection. Oh, I want to see Ernie Stewart after the resurrection. I got a whole list of people. Over 200 folks I want to see after the resurrection. I go, whoa, glory, brother. Glory, sister. I don't, there'll be no marrying or giving marrying. I'm not sure it's going to be brother or sister. I don't know how that's going to work, but I can tell you it's going to be so different, I can't figure it out. Humility comes before honor. We learn that. We learn death comes and must come before life. That's God's order. God's orders in this chapter. God's order is death must come before life. Humility must come before honor. Weakness must come before power. That's God's order. Uh, corruption must come before incorruption. I don't want to get old. I don't look forward to the being, the being, I'm already being humbled. I mean, it's already happening. I don't like it, but you know, ultimately I got a little twinkle in my eye that this precedes the glory. Amen. Tom lost his hair. I remember Tom when he had some hair. He's a handsome, I mean, he's still a handsome man. He's a handsome man without hair. Uh, praise God, though, you don't grow it long and try to comb it over. Please don't do that. 
I'll be honest with you, if I gave Trump any encouragement, it would be, go get your hair cut. Quit trying to be vain at 70 years old. Don't do it. Just get your hair, get a butch, and go down and shave it like Tom. I'll guarantee you'd probably win the next election if he did that. Well, let's look at verse 45 through 50, application to Christ. And so it is written, first Adam was made a living soul. The last Adam was made a quickening or life-giving spirit. Howbeit, that was not first, which is spiritual, but that was just natural. And afterward, that was just spiritual. So natural must come first. That's God's order. The first man of the, is of the earth earthly. The second man is of the Lord from heaven. And as is, as is the earthly, such are they also that are of earth, earthly. And as of heaven, such are they that also are heavenly. And as we have been born the image of the earthy, uh, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. That's a lot of earthly, heavenly talk right there. But then verse 50 is the key. Now I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. The natural man is described here as a living soul, earthly, reflecting this earth. That's you and me. The spiritual man, that's the one inside of us, the born-again man, the soul, is a life-giving spirit, uh, a birth from the Lord of Christ, was, of course, the Lord of heaven, the last Adam, and reflecting heaven. As you go in Christ, a change takes place in you. Uh, somewhat of a death, as it were, of sorts. The displacing begins of the earthly and the heavenly takes the place. Even here, even now, even being born again, there is a transition happening. Uh, you're not the same. If you're saved today, you're not the same as you were before you were saved. There is a changing out of the earthly, the sensual, to the spiritual and pure. And, and you're becoming more reflective of heaven than you were when you were saved, when you before you were saved, which you reflected this earth, the way this earth thought, the way its value system is. When you get saved, you begin to reflect the things of the heaven. And that's why you got to read the Bible. The Bible is God's words to us. It's, it's a mirror in which you continually look at. You become like him as you read it. As I grow older in Christ, the things that thrilled me in my 20s and 30s and 40s do not thrill me now like they used to. My fingers are being loosened from this old world and its plastic trophies and dead-end dreams. My gaze is more upward than forward. The frantic desire of the world grows less and is diminishing. The resurrection time is coming closer. I can feel it. Why? Because I can't go to heaven like I am. You can't either. I may want to go to heaven tonight. I may want to go to heaven. You want to go to heaven? You can't go on the old body. You can't go with this flesh and blood. Not this corruptible. Can't be in heaven. It polluted, ruined it. So God has to take you 
whether quickly or slowly, it's his choice, but this corruptible must stay here, and that incorruptible must be put on when we see him, we'll be like him as he, because we'll see him as he is. Christ is the last Adam, represents us leading the way through death to life. The image of a heavenly was all over Jesus. Wow. God manifests in the flesh. When he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do, that was not earthly, that was heavenly. When he said to love our neighbors ourselves, that was not earthly, that was heavenly. When he, when he did his miracles and fed the 4,000 and 5,000 and healed the demonic boy and the widow's son, as I mentioned this morning, forgave the adulterous woman, spoke kindly to the whore that washed, her, washed his feet, the repentant whore that washed his feet, and, and when he gave sight to the old blind Bartimaeus, brother, that was heaven, that wasn't earth. On and on, the last Adam reflected who he was. He was the Lord from heaven, the Bible says to take our place, pay our price, and make a way for us to be forgiven so that we someday could be with him. You know, the Bible says to be absent from the Lord is to be absent from the body is to be, yeah, almost God, I'll get that right. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. I thought a lot about death. How about you? I thought a lot about death. I meditated a lot of, maybe because of the position I'm in, of having to know people, love them, eventually see them weaken, uh, die and then do their funeral and, and meet with their loved ones and all of this over and over and over and over again, it really keeps death right at the forefront of my mind. But oh, death, where's your sting? Oh, grave, where's your victory? Brother, sin is the strength of death, and sin was destroyed in Christ. And praise God, thank God that we have been born from above and that now we look for that heavenly day when we will be resurrected. You say, oh, now I know, I know you, you, some of the younger Christians out there say, oh, preacher, there's some good things here I still want to do. There's some good things I want to experience. There's some fish I still want to catch. Trust me, there's nothing that this earth can offer you in comparison to what God's got prepared for them that love him. You, you that aren't married. I mean, I, I kid those people getting married, you know, about ready. We're, we're in the back over here, uh, and I'll probably do it to Charlie. And I'll say, Charlie, uh, are you praying for the rapture? They kind of look at me, and I go, oh, not right now. Could God wait just a little bit? I look forward to being married for a long time. I found my little sweetie. You were the same way. You, you didn't look real spiritual back there to me. I wasn't either. But I'm going to trust you. It, I, I just believe when the rapture happens, there's going to be somebody standing up in one of front of church somewhere, and the bride's going to be marching down the aisle, and the trumpet will sound, the dead and crash will rise first. Boom, boom. You hope both of them go. It's real bad if the groom goes and the bride stays. But Because uh, then she's going to go, what in the world? Uh, uh, <laughs> Uh, for him, it's good, because he didn't marry an unsaved woman. But, uh, boy, I mean, it's got to happen. It's got to happen, right? Hey, Nick, somebody's going to be out there, and they're just going to get that, and they're going to go, oh, rapture. Can't pull them up, you know? Just get about where you can see him, rapture. There's going to be somebody out there hunting, brother. 
And that big old 12, 14 point life trophy deer is going to walk up and just say, get ready to squeeze the trigger at rapture. Brother, you don't have to worry. There's nothing this world offers, no thrill this world can offer you. Nothing this thing can give you to compare with the things that God is prepared for them that love him. You folks can walk out of here tonight with a spring in your step and a joy in your heart, even if it's full of sorrow. Because, hey, we're human, right? When we have loved ones die, we sorrow. When we have a... Man, some of you, when your dog dies, you almost die. My dad had a little dog. Name was Teddy. And I think he loved that dog more than he loved me, for sure. In fact, I think had I died, he would not have grieved. I'm serious about this. We talked about it. Had I died, or his wife died, he would not have grieved like he grieved when Teddy died. When Teddy died, my dad cried for three days. Now, my dad's a tough old Marine, World War II, near-death experience. But when that little dog, Teddy, I think he brought him to you, and somehow when they bring him to town, they don't come home. I don't know how that works. <laughs> it's a one-way trip, you know. But uh, anyway, Teddy died. So he brings him to Teddy, and Teddy brings to Tom. Teddy brings to Tom. But he Three days he grieved over that. He grieved to the place where he thought he was going to die. He said, Bill, I can't take this. It's too hard. I'm never going to get another dog. He didn't. He didn't. Tom Cronin, when his dog died, this is the gospel truth. Tom he he came to church because I was, and he wept, 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 and he moaned, and he cried, and he told me, Bill, if, if my wife died, I would not have grieved this much. That was just being honest. So you may grieve over your lousy pet more than you grieve over a human being. I don't, I, I don't get all of that, okay? I don't, it don't come into my, it ain't out of my, as brother said, it ain't out of my radar screen, none of that stuff. But it's, I, it's a fact, it's a fact. But nothing this whole world offers you is going to be what heaven. Heaven's a wonderful place, full of glory and grace. I want to see my Savior's face. Heaven is a wonderful place. Folks, don't let, don't let this old, don't let the, don't let the demons of this world get you down. Don't, don't, now even your own physical self. I've had, I've had gout so bad, I was telling him today, I've had gout pain so bad, I beg God to kill me, beg God to take me home, beg God to take me, please take me home. Only people with gout probably can understand that. Why you get so bad off? I mean, you just—I mean, you don't. When you when you got to go to the bathroom, it's one of the most horrible things that ever happened because you got to go from here to there, and the pain is just unbelievable. Crawling on your hands and knees, and your knees are—that <laughs> ain't no. I can just tell you this. Uh, but you know what I like? The suffering of this present time is not worthy to be compared with them, the, with the glory that shall be. Hey. We have a missionary on the backboard who was given his life on mission field and eight men, while he was gone, eight men came in and raped his wife. And I just read his letter. They're back on the mission field. 
They decided to go back to the mission field, same place. Now, I have to tell you, they got beefed up security. They got a high fence. They got dogs. They got 24-7 guards now. But they're still back at the field. Now, you don't think that they wept around and cried about that and, and it really changed their life, changed his life, changed their life. You can't forget that stuff. You say, God let that happen. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. We're not exempt from the sufferings of this world. But brother, you trust God that as soon as five seconds on the other side and the Bible says the former things shall not be remembered nor come into mind. That's gone. All that stuff's gone. You can't really hurt a Christian. Why? The resurrection of Jesus Christ. Father, we pray that we just be encouraged here tonight. The Spirit of the living God may help us. You may bless these missionaries that have come here. That you may, as they put their hand to the plow, they may never look back. They may fulfill your call for their lives. We may fulfill your call for our lives here. And Lord God, that you would just help us in the big picture to trust you. Just to trust you. Trust and obey. There's no other way to be happy in Jesus. Help us not to be discouraged. I know sometimes uh, uh, disappointment and depression wants to come on to me like a fog. And I just begin to quote scripture and begin to review what I've said to you folks tonight. And the joy of the Spirit of God comes back. Help us, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.